Hey everybody, I'm Brooke and I sobered up August 2nd, 2016. Hi friends, I'm Suzanne and I sobered up December 19th, 1991. Together we got a lot of recovery and we host Seek Purpose, the podcast. Seek Purpose is a community that supports recovery, healing, and spiritual growth. We believe that sharing our stories can greatly impact our communities and collective action can impact the world. So stop scrolling and start listening, will ya? Welcome to Seek Purpose, the podcast. Uh, my name is Brooke, and uh, my friends used to call me Brunk. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and my name's Suzanne, and they actually used to call me Stew. <laughs> I used to be a meat wrapper at Safeway. <laughs> That's awesome. And today we're sitting here on screen with Julia from Rehab Girlfriend. Julia, do you want to introduce yourself and? Uh, Tell a random fact about you. Sure. Um, my name is Julia. People uh, used to call me Juge. Uh, and um, I'm 23. I'm from the Bay Area. And random fact about me, I really love plants. Um, and before I started this TikTok account, I actually tried to start a plant account. And it did not do very well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that actually gives me some hope that people are more interested in recovery than plants. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Point. That's no awesome. Kidding. Actually, tell us about your TikTok account, because that's actually how we got in contact with you and found out about you. I was uh, starting TikTok up again in the quarantine and looking for some recovery content, and you were like one of the first people I saw, and you're hilarious. Like, I absolutely love what you do. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that and what, uh, what inspired it? Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, I, I didn't know that there was going to be like, before I started my account, I didn't know that, um, there was like a big recovery community on TikTok. Um, I still don't know really much about it, like when that started, but, um, I had, I was also bored in quarantine. Um, I was just out of rehab. Um, I, had a lot of experience with like failed rehab relationships and uh you know trying to get sober for years um about five years actually um and so like i said i started the plan account and then i was like you know what actually i know more about and would probably be better at is like making jokes about rehab or like lip syncing stuff and making it relevant there um and so i tried it out and um for a while it took me a while to find people because my for you page was mostly like other types of content but then i found uh larry lovelace um and i was just like oh my gosh like this is hilarious this is great and then little by little i started um you know meeting people like you and uh, a lot of other accounts sober comedy and stuff and it's been really really amazing and i was very surprised oh that's awesome it's really cool. I, I just love, um, I've kind of viewed TikTok for myself. I've been, you know, sometimes in dark places and in, in my days, the last little while, and it's like so much fun to make a TikTok video. You know, I find that it can, it, it does both things, you know, it, you can come on and you can see some um, complete rawness, real, like mm -hmm. 
incredible things on uh, TikTok that have really touched my recovery. But then it's so refreshing to be able to see some fun on our recovery journeys that we're kind of doing and letting loose. And it's really inspired me. You've inspired me. So I'm really excited about getting into your story and how you ended up in rehab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I, I found it so, it's so like therapeutic for me to make videos and to see other videos. I've never really related to people like instantly and so quickly within like 60 seconds that on TikTok, it's crazy. So I agree with you there. Awesome. Well, let's get jump into it. Uh, why don't you share your story of what it was like um, in addiction, what brought you to recovery and what life is like now? Okay. Um, so let's see when I feel like I used things addictively since I was like little. So I'm going to start there. Um, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I had, I, I didn't have a bad, um, childhood at all, but I, when I look back, I remember feeling like really anxious, um, and uncomfortable in my own skin all the time. Um, and I didn't like who I was. I was always trying to be someone else. Like one of my friends, um, I was really needed to organize my stuff all the time. Um, that was like how I tried to manage those uncomfortable emotions, um, before I found drugs and alcohol. Um, and there, it was funny, like I have this journal and I've heard other people talk about this too, other, other, um, recovering addicts I was writing the first time I heard someone share about this in a meeting I was like oh my god that's me I would write my journal entries which only I was gonna see like in my diary as if I was someone else to try and convince I don't know me whoever um that uh I was I was somebody else and that I was perfect um so naturally when I found uh drugs and alcohol it was a really really um how profound, powerful experience for me because I could always pretend to be someone else, um, but I can never feel like I was someone else. So I was 13. My first intoxication was when I was 13. Um, I smoked weed, hated it, kept doing it. Um, and then I, around that time, I also um, got drunk for the first time uh with a boy that i liked terrible disaster of a night and i was like you know what i'm gonna do this all the time anyways because it beats like being me and feeling like me um because that still felt really really uncomfortable um and i wasn't forming an identity i would i felt um i was always very distracted as a kid and um but now by this time I'm in um, high school and I I was friends with people that use drugs and alcohol a lot um, and like to party like on the weekends like I did but they didn't seem to need it as badly as I needed it um, and it seemed like they could kind of do other things and be happy about doing other things um, and that that I needed it really really bad. Um, and I, so I, that became my identity. I wasn't figuring out who I was. Um, my friends were diversifying their interests, um, you know, getting invested in hobbies, um, deciding what they were going to do with their future. Um, 
growing up and I wasn't, I had, I had, I was stagnating um, and kind of starting to go downhill pretty quickly. I feel like my addiction really took off in my um, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into pills when I was like 16, um, stimulant medications, Focalin, you know, for like, it started with like, oh, let's take this for the final. Um, and then it became, I need to take this to even like clean my room, clean my car, do any of my homework. Um, but in my senior year, I found Xanax and Xanax was as an anxious person my whole life. Um, you know, I, when I found Xanax, actually the first time I took it, this is a common theme, did not like it, tried it again anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just like, you know, that's the, I don't know, that's kind of what addiction is to me sometimes. Um, it's like doing it even though, cause it's just better than how miserable I'm feeling or was feeling. Um, definitely not anymore. Sobriety beats any drug that I've ever tried. Um, but yeah, Xanax took me downhill really fast. Um, I, at the end of high school, I threw a few parties, blacked out really hard at those parties, mixing um, like Xanax and uh, weed and alcohol. Did um, some things that I still really don't know the extent of that made all of my friends really uncomfortable. So they didn't want to be friends with me anymore naturally. (laughs) So kind of like lost a lot of my friends at the end of high school. And so I was just like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't go to school my last couple of weeks without taking Xanax every day. Um, So then I went to college um, with that same kind of mindset. I was still taking Xanax extremely regularly. like every other day, every few days. Um, I was living with my grandparents um, and I still struggled with making friends because, you know, so I became friends with my dealer at the time. um, Who- Why were you living with your grandparents? um, Because I was, I, my family wanted me to go to college. They were really supportive of that right out of high school. Um, and I, you know, if, if I was in a different place, if I wasn't trying to, you know, if I, if I even wanted to go to college, if something, if that mattered to me besides drugs and alcohol or like getting high, like I would have probably gone somewhere else. It might've been different, but like, that was the only thing that mattered to me. So I was like, oh, I'll go to like the closest college to me where I got in just to like get people off my back and like show that I'm doing stuff. Um, and, um, so I moved in with my grandparents because they lived, it was just easier, the transportation to the college. Um, and I didn't really want to live um, with my parents anymore. So I had some more freedom. I love my grandparents more than um, like anyone <laughs> in the world. They're amazing. And they actually, that's how I got into rehab the first time was they had a little old school uh, two person intervention for me the first time. Um, it was very, very sweet. My grandma was very emotional and like crying and she would be like why are you doing this to yourself and then my grandpa who's like more rational he's been you know um sober for many many years uh he was like he would translate he was like 
what we're trying to say is we're really concerned about you. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, at the time, like I was, I was really moved. I did not understand though. Um, and so the conditions, uh, you know, after that intervention, um, of me living there was that I needed to go to an outpatient rehab center. And so I did. Um, but I, you know, I didn't think that I was an addict. I didn't know what it was. And that kicked off like just, um, a few years of really destructive hitting multiple bottoms, crashing through the next rock bottom into the rock bottom behind that one. What did you, th- what did you think that was going on? You know, cause I hear that a lot. Uh, my story included, uh, when we're young and our lives are kind of becoming reckless and people start saying something to us, but alcoholism or addiction is something we just, we table. Yeah. You know, do you know what you were thinking as far as the root cause of what was going on in your life? That's a really good question. Um, and I asked myself that a lot. I think it was, it had built up just the self, the self-hatred and all the stuff that I didn't want to face, um, and all my insecurities and like feeling like I'm too sensitive of a person or I'm not enough. I'm, I'm too much or I'm not enough and I'm unlovable and blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff, um, was stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And it got increasingly hard for me to, um, have an awareness about that because I was driven by the emotions, the uncomfortable emotions, So um, I was just running like as hard as I could. And I think that um, there were some points where the denial I think was like actively, I don't wanna face what you're saying, but other times I think that I wasn't even able to take in the information um, because it just, you know, it would have been too painful at the time or I don't don't really know, but I asked myself that question a lot, but that's my best guess. Did you think like the alcohol, like I sit back and think, you know, for, for, for myself, I always thought that alcohol and drugs were not the issue because they're the one thing that actually helped this, this, the problem. They helped right. me feel better. They helped my self-esteem. They kind of were a false sense of who I was. So I, for myself, I, and many people that I've heard share kind of, you know, sometimes come to that realization. It's really difficult to kind of think of something that is kind of a solution to get us through is a problem totally right so if i just yeah yeah i and it's it's funny because i felt that exact same way i was i felt so much better for a while while i was on them that i couldn't see how it i wasn't being better around other people people didn't like that people were concerned um people were scared for me Mm -hmm. um so it just took a really long time to connect yeah. What happened when you were in treatment and they actually started explaining things? When did when did the moment come that you really connected with like, oh my gosh, I'm an addict, like really to the innermost self that you're like, holy shit, <laughs> this, I'm, I, I've got a problem. This is addiction. That's another really great question. It wasn't just one moment, but it took a long time before I like could identify with myself as an addict, like you said. Um, Like, I I realized I was an addict way before I realized that I was going to need to get to get sober if I wanted to survive. Um, But it took multiple rounds of treatment, including residential, 
um, when I had like the full understanding, because each time I'd go to rehab, I'd knock off one of my exceptions. Oh, okay, can't do Xanax, obviously. Oh, oops, okay, can't do, um, can't drink, because then I can't stop. Um, so, you know, I think that I, yeah, I think my second round in rehab was when I was really like, oh my goodness, when I did like 90 days and I had to sit with it. Um, because I couldn't deny it anymore. Um, but when I finally like surrendered to the truth, like fully and wasn't just like, oh, well, I'm an addict, but like, I'm still gonna be glamorous and miserable. And like, let's see how low we can go with it. Um, you know, that was that was later when I was like, oh, I've tried this over and over and over and over again to moderate um, and to do damage control while still getting high. Can't do it, can't do it. Can't make exceptions, have to protect my sobriety. So what was the moment then when you decided, like, I'm going to surrender and change, like, okay, now I've accepted it. I can't do anything. Can you walk us through that day? Like, what was that like for you? Or was it more than one day? Um, it wasn't all narrowed down to a day because I feel like my, <laughs> I got to bring my answers in a little bit. Uh, I was definitely, uh, I remember the moment I was at the camp in Santa Cruz, um, it was my third round in residential treatment. Um, I hadn't hit rock bottom too hard at that point because I hadn't gone back to the Xanax, but I wasn't sure. I was starting to be like, maybe there's a better way, but I don't know. And someone was speaking at a support meeting and within the rehab and they said, I used to practice uh, surrendering and giving up control every time that I took a drink or a drug, um, I would give my the rest of my night and my life essentially over to that thing and hope that it turned out well. Um, and I was like, oh, me too. Maybe I could try that in the other direction, even though um, <laughs> the idea didn't seem as appealing at the time. <laughs> so yeah, that was the moment. That's such an important thing to talk about. Like, I remember feeling, um, I sobered up at 29 and I, I remember feeling like everyone was trying to control me. Everyone was trying to like stop me from having fun and living my best life. And, you know, drugs and alcohol is what made me feel like myself the most more than anything else I had found. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember thinking like everyone else was trying to control me. And when I realized like the drugs and the alcohol are the thing that's controlling me, like I didn't want to not take my kids to school or be a shitty like partner to my husband or be a like unreliable and unresponsible and like annoying <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to do any of those things and every time I drank or used drugs like that's inevitably what would happen and uh I couldn't see that that was controlling me I thought that was like my freedom yeah me too and I um I won't get into it too much, but yeah, I, I mean, I grew up thinking before I even tried drugs and alcohol that that was going to be my freedom. You see someone in a movie, they're going through a hard time. They're like swigging alcohol in their room alone and like a button down, um, like, you know, like they in front of like this high rise window with the view of the entire city. And you're like, oh, that looks glamorous. Like that's how I'm gonna relieve my pain. Like that's how I'm gonna let loose. Um, so I don't know, I, yeah. Me too. I thought it was, I thought it was the freedom, but it was, yeah, it was making everything worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's hard too when you're young, right? <clears throat> when 
that's kind of like the lifestyle, you know, the college life, you know, you go to high school and then, you know, the parties on the weekends. And then what do you do the last year of high school is like, we talk about how crazy everybody was on the weekend until Friday came around again. And then we did it all over again. I mean, that's yeah. high school. Mm -hmm. Then college kind of comes or after graduation and you know, that's kind of like, oh my gosh, now you can go to the clubs. Now you can kind of do the same type of thing in, in your life. And, you know, it's so easy to circulate around the same type of people, which makes it even more difficult to be able to see that maybe this is becoming a problem that like what you were saying in your story, that you were having inability to kind of move forward and progress like maybe some of the other friends did. So the difference between somebody who maybe not have a problem at this point in their life and someone that does has a difficult time transitioning from that one thing to the next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was there something that your grandparents said to you that made you really kind of accept the fact that you needed to go to treatment in their mini intervention? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it makes me emotional to um, think about, but they really believed in me always. And they would tell me um, each in their own way, like, you don't need to be doing this. Um, I, it hurts me when I see you doing this to yourself. I know that you can be so much more. I don't know why you're hurting. Um, but they tried to understand why I was hurting and what, what drove me there. Um, and um, my grandma's a, a storyteller. So she made it like very artistic and like easy for me to understand and to see because I like, you know, I like a little bit of drama and she, you know, they were just, they really believed in me always. And they were like, you can get out of this. And when you, you get out of this, it's going to be great for you. And that um, type of encouragement, the, I know you're having a hard time right now, but when and if you stop, um, I can't wait to see what happens. Like, it's going to be amazing for you and um, you're going to feel better has always really had an impact on me. And my grandma, she said, we were in, I was graduating um, a rehab center and she, I had finished like my speech thing, like my heart was pounding and she was like, you're, she always says that um, I'm her muse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know, right? And everyone was just like silent. It was a really, it was a really crazy um, emotional moment for me. And it still is when I think about it. I'm like, you know, I don't show it, but um, yeah, it means a lot when they, when people see past like the, I don't even know how to say it, the like addiction, the addict, when they see past the addict personality that's always out when you're in active addiction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it really means a lot. It helped you, maybe it sounds like they helped you remind you and they didn't forget of the true essence of who you are yes that's yep that's, yeah. you, you said it <laughs> I, I i can relate because my i have a son that um, went through addiction as a teenager and that's what we try to do is remind him of who he was and um, how important and special he is which i think is really important for family members out there it sounds like maybe your does your grandparents have they done sounds like they maybe knew a little bit about um recovery or addiction um, to be able to guide you to um, rehab and get to that point of looking past the addiction. Do they have, did they go to support meetings or did they? 
Um, a few times, I think, a few times, but they, um, they had kind of a natural under, they, I'm sorry, at first there was a lot that they didn't understand, um, which can be really painful and scary, right? Um, and then I think, unfortunately, the more that I exposed them to it, um, the more that they learned about it. Um, and made an effort to learn about it, I think, on their own. Um, my whole family did. Um, my parents, too. And uh, so, awesome. yeah. I think that's so that's good. But we love, we love, you know, everybody kind of looks at the addict and the alcoholic or, you know, as the issue, but it's just so beautiful part of your story of seeing how you had that wraparound support of your family that was willing to kind of, you know, take that extra step. And we've got a lot of moms and family members that uh, listen here that um, have their significant other that are in addiction or in recovery. And it's just nice to hear that part. Um, yeah. How important it is for, for the person that's recovering to get that love and support. So I love that part of your story. Yeah, my mom, my mom um, went to her, she got support. She's, um, she's not an addict, never has been. Um, and it was, yeah, and she's, she sought out her own support meetings and stuff. And that was a crazy transformation to watch, um, you know, and I even like, I, it made me more open to the idea to, oh, I could go to some of those. And I, I have, I did go to one um, because, you know, I still, I, I encountered addicts in my life even though that was primarily like my social circle that I got close to like a significant other. And I was like, what am I going to do about this? Like what is going on? So um, yeah, it's been really, really incredible. I don't even know how to put into words um, uh, what a gift that that's been. Mm -hmm. That must actually inspire a lot of your content then because the rehab girlfriend um, TikTok handle, a lot of the stuff you talk about is relationships and like the crazy thoughts that go on in your mind when you're, trying to form relationships in recovery. And I think like what a topic to <laughs> be talking about. Like there's so much in there. Yeah, it's, yeah. Damn. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. Tell us what life is like now in recovery. Like what does your, your days look like now? How are you feeling? How has things changed? Um, it's been really fantastic. I feel kind of, guilty saying that um, because uh, not every day is fantastic and I tend to forget about those days on the fantastic days um, but it's been really great better than I can say better than I ever thought that it could be better than um, I believed that it could be when people told me that it could be amazing um, it's I feel really good um, I feel better physically. Um, the thing, one thing that has been huge for me was, um, I got stuck in the depression because I didn't understand, like, your brain needs time to heal. Like, it's going to be kind of, you know, not great for a while. Um, but once you have to wait out that period, you can't get high again or you set yourself back and anything can happen. Um, so I, you know, when I wasn't before, I would never give myself enough time to feel better in sobriety. Um, 
So I forgot what it was like not to be depressed. And so I equated sobriety with depression, which is miserable and awful. So it was very hard to want to get sober if I thought I was going to go back to a lifetime of <laughs> feeling like I did when I was depressed. And that has finally lifted for the first time in like what feels like so long. I didn't even realize how depressed I was until I looked back and was like, whoa, ooh. Um, so yeah, that's been um that's been just incredible i'm really really grateful for that that's really great i just the way you explained it because i think that um like you were saying how much it can stop somebody because sobriety i mean i remember when i first sobered up i couldn't imagine life without alcohol like it was like my best friend it was like you know you don't understand i'm getting married i'm having a bachelor party like i'm having a baby <laughs> we're having wine we're like we're going on vacation and we drink. I mean, it's all yeah, yes. are like, that's how you travel. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why they give away free alcohol. I couldn't fathom life without alcohol or drugs. It just went hand in hand, fun, everything associated, everything I had in my life um, associated with drugs and alcohol. And so coming into sobriety, it was difficult in the beginning. It was freaking hard. It was like, I was losing my best friend. I was grieving. And I'm so mm -hmm. grateful that others before me said and called it that you're grieving, you're grieving a loss. And <clears throat> once that grief, you know, you kind of, ex I've accepted the fact that it's no longer here. I've also got to realize that there's a new life and there is a lot of fun that can be had. Mm -hmm. And so that's the most important is not only to, you know, live sober but to have some fun like just to kind of yeah. I think that's what I love about TikTok we talked about this last night hey <laughs> because it kind of it kind of gives you like it's a kind of a platform that um does allow you just to kind of break out and dance and have some fun and make some lightness of our lives and situations and you know it's and your your humor is just wonderful because if we're not giggling and this this sobriety thing is not fun then why would we want to stay here yeah hundred percent hundred percent yeah so what um, are the things that you do are that, that you love to do for fun oh I love this question I am not above I'm not above um replacement addictions that are healthy like hobby addictions you know like I've I've um TikTok I dove into TikTok when I first found it and um you know I think that maybe if it if it was a surprise um that the direction that it went in and the response that it got, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to give up on something if it doesn't work out within immediately. <laughs> so I'm glad that it didn't, uh, that it did. But um, so I dove into that. I still do that a lot for fun. Um, Cause it's just, it's, it was so cathartic and like I needed it and I moved past so many things for a while. Like I almost didn't have a sense of humor um, in, in, my addiction and in sobriety, like it was so serious all the time. Like I couldn't joke about it cause it was still so just too raw and painful for me. Um, so it really helped me heal a lot of stuff and I can kind of gauge where I'm at with something through the ability to joke about it or not. Um, and that's been really, really cool. Um, I love, um, really love, I've just been reconnecting with things that I used to like and making those lists like in, um, in rehab and stuff of like, what did I like to do before? Thinking, but like reaching back into my memory, like, oh yeah, I used to ride my bike to school, that'd be cool. I used to um, like 
when a boy would break up with me in high school, like I would, <laughs> before I could get high about it, I would like get really cute and like pretend that like, and then like jog a really long way to get to their neighborhood <laughs> and then jog around their neighborhood hoping I'd run into them and be like, oh, just coincidence. I'm like two miles happen to be in around. Anyways, that's <laughs> crazy. But you know, like I used to run and now I, now I run. Um, I take like the healthy part and leave, um, the the crazy part but um yeah uh so stuff like that um I really like dancing um so I I also haven't given up on that I'm looking forward to getting into it more um and I'm writing again which is what I really ultimately love um seeing friends I have a best friend for the first time um in a really long time um, that to, you know, like a, a, a friend to the point of where like you hang out a lot and it's not like, I got very socially anxious. Spoiler alert, if you abuse Xanax, your anxiety gets worse. You get rebound anxiety. There's no free lunch when it comes to absolutely zero anxiety and zero inhibitions, um, you know, getting knocked out by the jug. So I, really stayed away from people for a long time and it feels so nice to connect with someone and hang out with them and just like let myself relax with friends so mm -hmm. I, I love doing that too and there's other stuff too I forget though I'm sorry <laughs> I'm actually I'm really glad you mentioned that because that was um it was actually something my brother was talking about before he passed was like he couldn't even go to a grocery store or like be around anybody without feeling that like crazy anxiety because he is trying to get off Xanax on his own and and ultimately like that just led him to needing to use more because he, he didn't understand what was going on right and you don't when you're that young so yeah. I really I really appreciate you talking about that part I think a lot of people think Xanax is pretty harmless um or like a doctor can prescribe it to you so whatever but like it's <laughs> It's probably the worst thing I've ever experienced. Like watching him battle that addiction was terrifying. So I really appreciate yeah. that you're talking out out loud about it. And I think it's something that a lot of young people really need to hear. Because I feel like it's like I hear like Chelsea Handler talking about it like it's nothing. Like take a Xanax before getting on a plane, blah, blah, blah. And it's so normalized to like abuse medications almost, I feel. Mm. So you really mm -hmm. need to know, like, what are the ramifications of that? Like, what are you sacrificing by getting that free ride of, of no inhibitions and no anxiety, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think we're in a culture that everything, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling happy, there's always something to take, something to do, something to consume that is almost like a chemical or not real opposed to, you know, experiencing the feeling like, oh my goodness, we might feel sad. Nobody will ever say anything about us being happy and jovial. But if we're sad or if we're angry or we're hurt, then we're not somehow allowed to feel those. So we get caught up into the thinking that we're not, oh, something's wrong with me. Why am I feeling sad? I got to get to happy. Well, why not just feel sad? Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not sitting in it forever, you know, and, and, and being able to experience that, yeah, I'm hurt or I'm sad and it's okay to, to shed a tear. Our bodies are naturally, you know, have tears for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> they were made in that, in there. So, yeah, but in recovery, it is so important to have, um, 
have fun, like just let your little girls out any of those moms out there that have little kids around or even if you don't have kids, you can, you know, go to the park and I, I, my family always thinks I'm crazy because when I go take my grandson to the park, like I'm not one of those grandparents who's sitting going, oh, that's nice. Like I'm up on the slide, I'm chasing him. I'm, like, <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm playing because we should, we should play. We should enjoy yeah. life, right? Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, let's talk a little absolutely. bit about uh, the TikTok recovery community because that was a huge yeah. surprise to us. I know when we've, we've been going down the rabbit hole and it just does not end. Like there's so many amazing content creators on there that are talking about recovery and and yeah, I mean, you're such a big part of that and so funny and help normalize recovery and all the weird things that happen in recovery <laughs> and get rid of that stigma. So can you tell us about how that got started for you? Like what made you decide that TikTok was the route you're going to take and that you wanted to be a content creator? Um, it wasn't, this is going to sound silly maybe, but it wasn't really a conscious choice. Um, I, but I have been obsessed with Vine mm. even after it shut down for years. Like when I was depressed, I would watch Vines literally from the minute I opened my eyes until the minute I didn't brush my teeth and fell asleep. <laughs> um, so it, um, and I always wanted to, I wish that I could do that. Um, but I never really let myself admit that I wanted to do it because I was so afraid of failure. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, I, TikTok was so big. Um, everyone was doing it in quarantine. I saw a tweet that was like, show me a girl that hasn't made a TikTok during quarantine. And I'll pay you $20. And I was like, okay, that didn't need to be said, but um, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, that's, and at the time I hadn't made one. So I was like, no, well, I guess I'm getting $20. And um, but then I was like, oh, this could, this could be, this could work. Um, and it, the, the thing that made it easier to get into was like the lip sync aspect um, of like, uh, oh, the snippet of a song, I, it made me think of this time where this happened to me. It sounds so silly to say it out loud, but that's how I got started. Um, and um, I just, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I've been so immersed in that world for so long that that's the filter that I tend to run everything through. Um, so it was just easy to, to do that and to apply it. Um, I didn't think of like the username right away. I didn't, um, know that anyone was out there like creating content like that. And when I found them, I was like, I was so excited. Um, and it's, I feel like it's grown, but I don't know. Like I feel like, and because at first I wasn't searching for it and I, I wasn't really watching it that much to be quite honest, because I am really influenced by things that I see and I was afraid that it was gonna like throw me off. But I feel like it's grown since like when I first started in uh, May, June, right? I feel like there's a lot more people, at least that I know of, um, and a lot more, um, I don't know, engagement on, on my account at least. And I found like so many amazing, brilliant other content creators that I don't know when it started. I would love to know more about the origins of it. Um, 
but yeah I don't know if that answers the question sorry totally I wonder if that's going to be in our history books one day <laughs> like when did TikTok blow right? up what's the origin of like TikTok recovery um, yeah so we're TikTok <laughs> I don't even know what it was for so long. I've heard it being talked about and I'm like, what the heck? I do the same thing kind of with Instagram though, too. Like what the heck is Instagram? I had Facebook. I'm just old school. Just an old, old ninny. I <laughs> now I'm like, TikTok. This is fun. Oh, I get it now. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yes. It yeah. was, it's, it's addicting. I mean, in a good, you know, in a good way. The first one I was like, uh oh, this is a problem now doing it I, I want to do this all the time um how do you yeah. how do you handle that because it is true like I always joke uh you know having fun in sobriety and my husband and I used to uh love playing games when I first sobered up back in those days they didn't have Facebook they didn't have they had those old phones you know you had to go to pay phone to call your sponsor um <laughs> like, we, go, we go used to go to the recovery clubs and what they did is play crib and and then we played Yahtzee and I could never sit down at that table and play one game of crib. Are you kidding me? There's no one yeah. game of Yahtzee. Like mm -hmm. I literally sat there the whole afternoon and like got somebody to go order me food to bring it to me, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I had such an addicted person. I, I have an addicted personality. So, you know, trying to find balance is difficult. So how do you, how do you shut down? Like how do you detox and kind of get yourself away from it? Do you find that it takes, takes you sometimes? Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, I want to correct myself really quick because um, I thought of, I remembered something about how I got into TikTok. Um, sober meme accounts on Instagram, honestly, first gave me the idea. That's the first sober community that I found. Um, so that was really cool. And I kind of was like, oh, people will get this. They gave me the confidence of like, oh, people identify with that kind of stuff. Um, but um, yeah, back to your, your question. Um, balance has been a huge theme for me um, from like, you know, I've never been good at it. Um, and I've been really trying to become better at it. Um, but it's been really slow moving. Um, I try to be patient with myself as much as I can. But it's really hard to find a balance between um, anything in my life, really. <laughs> but like, when it comes to like, um, I really like creating content um, and stuff. And so I can do that for hours all day, every day. But then I have like other pursuits, you know, like I want to go back to school and I want to um, work on other projects and like work on projects that explore my like emotional, very sad side <laughs> um, and stuff like that. And um, so I've been kind of contemplating it lately. Um, and I, I, It's hard for me to know sometimes if I'm being super, super candid, um, like where the line is, like it's just a lot of self. It's a lot of looking at myself and like, when you reply to comments on TikTok, the TikTok loops in the background. So over and over again. <laughs> so like, um, you gotta turn the volume down cause I'm hearing my same voice like over and over and over again. Um, and like, you know, think, just it's a lot of looking at me and what I have to say. And I've been taught in recovery that that's um, not setting myself up for, you know, I feel like I'm afraid that I'm gonna lose the, some of my 
I don't, I don't even know how to like explain it, but um, I got kind of uncomfortable with that part, like seeing so much of myself and like focusing on so much of like, um, you know, what I'm doing all day um, that I kind of had to st take a step back a little bit lately. Um, and um, so many people like hearing, hearing from so many people that were reaching out from places where they, they need help and they don't know what to do and they're asking my advice. And so that together um, was like, oh, like, I don't even, I don't, I'm having a hard time balancing my own life and taking care of my, myself. Um, how can I even begin to tell someone, um, what to do, you know, or give advice. Um, so I try to just, you know, like point people in the direction of someone that's like better equipped to help, but it does, um, I do think about that a lot and I have from the beginning. Yeah, we actually had a guest, uh, Jean, she hosts the Bubble Hour podcast and is a blogger and that was something she brought up is like, if you're going to be kind of a recovery influencer in this field that people are going to reach out to you and it's really like you have to take care of yourself. You have to do a lot of self-care because that's so hard on us like I I know me Suzanne anyone in this kind of community hears so many heartbreaking stories and I take that on especially around PMS time <laughs> like, <laughs> I will like feel when people are even sharing in a meeting I will feel as if it's me that it has happened to or happening to and I, I can take on that emotion so I think it's so important for us to get ourselves help and, and make sure that we're okay before we're, we're giving because I mean it's it's kind of service like showing up online and giving your recovery out and talking to people and connecting with people um in that space it's it's part of service for me anyway and and I really need to take care of myself and make sure that I'm I'm got something to give because it says that very clearly in recovery you can't give something you don't have so yeah I think it's really important yeah. that you recognize that and are taking mm -hmm. time to learn and and to figure out who to send these people to <laughs> Yeah, because it's tough. Like, I, it's like, I don't, I feel like I know these people and I know that they feel like they know me because like, I mean, I feel like in the recovery community, that's super common mm -hmm. um, to feel immediately close to someone because, oh, we have so much in common. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, I like to focus on the individual and it's like, I can only know people so well online that I don't know how to help everyone the way that would be best. Um, so I probably overthink it and take, you know, yeah. avoid it too much but um i'd be interested to know how you guys find the balance between um you know uh the big <laughs> picture and then individual members of that you're interacting with online mm. i think it's always um been an issue for i think life in general is trying to balance like i'm a very busy person people look at my life but I don't know how you do it <laughs> I really don't I don't do it first of all thank goodness I have a higher power that kind of picks me up but the one thing I definitely um, do in my life that that Brooke knows this and, and some who are close to me for sure is my recovery always is number one I I am not going to be TikToking through a home group or a meeting I have with my sponsor or I'm going to be working through some of those um those are kind of like non-negotiables for me in my recovery. Um, I have set times that I have to take time for myself and my recovery. And I, under no circumstances, unless there's an emergency, <clears throat> and usually if there's an emergency, like my daughter suffers from epilepsy and she 
you know, has a big seizure and I have to miss my home group or I'm late, uh, usually I'm still reaching out, um, you know, uh, through that, through texting, through calling my supports. And um, yeah, and that's that I know that I'll be okay if as long as those things are not moved. And I've been mm. do that since the day I stayed sober. Um, even when I went away to work and I traveled all over North America to go to work in, in my marketing days in my business, like I, my, the, the executives at the top newspapers in Canada that I worked with knew that Suzanne wouldn't make a meeting or meet for dinner on certain days because that was my recovery. Yeah. And, um, I just, you know, some people go, no, I don't understand. You can't. No, I, I definitely will tell people that I'm not able to make certain times um, available. They're just not happening. Yeah. So, so yeah. Making, making time for yourself, making time for your recovery and structure, sticking to yeah. a structure. Sticking to okay. most, most important. Sometimes, you know, dinner, I mean, dinner tonight was hot dogs because tonight's <laughs> Monday, right? <laughs> you know, like, um, but if uh, I do have my women's support meeting every Thursday, I, uh, Sunday, I have a support, I contact my sponsees, I pray every morning. Um, those things have just never changed. But there are some times when I go away, I'm, I need self-care. So as Brooke, well, you guys won't see me. Well, you might see me and Dave now on TikTok because <laughs> we're going away next week because you need to take time, find fun, find life, mm -hmm. experience it. Yeah. 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 It's really important. Yeah, I think also having a community is, is so important because there are times where I am just spent. I can't possibly help somebody like in terms of work wise, if someone's reaching out, like would just happen with my brother and everything. I, I, I have people asking for help, reaching out and I just can't give anything right now. I've got I'm doing what I can do, but I, I don't have a lot to give. But we have a full community with with Seek Purpose, um, a group. I've got a ton of support in my recovery community that I can very easily call somebody and say hey are you available and I think that's been really um really pivotal for my recovery is to rely on on my community and not on individuals because individuals always every time 100% of the time will eventually at some point disappoint me <laughs> and or not be available or be having their own struggles and and can't be there for me like individuals I can't lean on but I can lean on my recovery community. I can lean on the 12 step community I'm in. Um, I, I, that support is always there and there's always going to be at least one person that I can talk to when I need to and that can support me if I need it. And uh, in the same breath, there's always someone I can try and find <laughs> to help to get out of my own crazy head because that's mm -hmm. uh, honestly like the one thing that keeps me sane is um, helping others. Like Otherwise, I'm just sitting in self-pity all day, 24 hours, especially right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the community um, part that you mentioned, I there's um, I go to Sober, Sober Comedy on TikTok hosts a meeting um, twice a week. And that's like the meeting that I go to like most consistently right now. Um, and hearing it's an all recovery meeting. So it's like any, anything really. Um, and that's, it's been so helpful. Right. Um, I'm just also like, I'm, I'm trying not to hearing you talk about how you balance it is, is giving me a lot of ideas of like things that I need to reconnect to that I was doing before things and people, um, and, and other communities as well. But I, I do love that meeting and it's crazy. Like you can find it really anywhere that you look, um, communities that I, I had no idea. 
before quarantine, you know, it's just kind of like your immediate area. Yeah. I don't know, for me, meetings. I think for everybody. I think there's a silver lining with this, with, with what's what happened for sure. I can't, I'm, I, 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 for an old timer that really likes those in person, my entire recovery has kind of been that type of support to be able to move into this more online. I, I've just been so enriching with being able to meet so many new people. Uh, it's available 24 seven. Um, if I'm standing in a lineup and I'm going through tough time or I'm getting irritated by the freaking asshole in front of me, you know, honestly, God, I'll just grab my phone and I can put on a TikTok or I can put on an Instagram or hear, see something really encouraging online. I think for myself, I like to focus on the positives and where I can lift people up and encourage. And that just kind of helps me get through and get out of my own stuff. And uh, so even if it's just a couple of comments, uh, just to let people know that I'm thinking of them or I see them or I hear them. And I think they're like little messages from my higher power. I, they're 100%. just conversations that are coming through, um, you know, through all people. I, I actually did a, I haven't posted it yet, but a, a blog that <clears throat> I was talking about God. <clears throat> and it's like this little saying, it says, uh, trials without God will break you. Trials with God will make you. And for me, God is a bunch of uh, um, basically, you know, a group of drunks, a group of drug addicts, a group of <laughs> ding-dongs, you know, <laughs> and, you know, like <laughs> that, you know, that ding-dong on TikTok that made me laugh, you know, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, it comes in all different ways. So focusing yeah. on that is really a key um, for maintaining recovery is connection for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I feel like I got away from that a little bit because I got caught up in like, um, trying to like uh, go by the rules of social media and like, Oh, I need to do this in order to get this. And I, you know, like followers and engagement and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like, um, my content kind of took a hit a tiny bit in my eyes. I don't know about anyone else. Um, because so I, want to reconnect with like rather than following like the rules of social media and stuff and getting so involved in that um like you know following the rules of, of recovery mm -hmm. um and and letting that guide me you know mm -hmm. it's easy yeah. for the line to get blurred i don't know about anyone else <laughs> i don't think it's true it's kind of hard i'm i'm not i try to really balance you'll see my personal instagrams nothing it's just more I, my facebook i try to keep it i people used to when i first got uh facebook first came out i was saying this yesterday too i was criticized because i had like a facebook account and i said something about some recovery quote oh my god right like what the heck is going on and now it's so much different but i love my facebook because i use it as a gratitude journal and i put all of the great awesome enjoyable joyous times and some people will look at that and go, oh, she's always happy. I'm not always happy, let me freaking tell you. But nothing is greater than waking up in those dark moments that I don't want to get out of fucking bed. I don't want to put my feet on the ground. And I grab my phone and my memory comes up of mm -hmm. the most joyous time that happened. You know, like for me, I love Facebook for that. I love the how it chronologically um, you know, manages my life through social media. Mm -hmm. And it can be used as a positive. 100%. So, yeah. And like Brooke, Brooke, what you're doing now on TikTok when you're sharing like your, you know, the raw grieving process that you're going through with your brother, like that is 
so I mean I don't even know how to describe it it's finding connecting to someone with that and and feeling like it's normal and it's okay um and and not being afraid to share your ups and your downs um I think is really really amazing mm. um and I really admire you for that I have a hard time like knowing how much what do I put out there and what do I like keep to myself and like I'm really big into honesty and like vulnerability and transparency, but like I also keep things really close to the vest. Um, so it's a balance that I'm trying to strike and I really um, think that you're doing a great job. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I think, um, yeah, the silver lining with all of the quarantine happening is a lot more people are coming out and showing it all and really connecting because that's kind of all we got right now. We can't be in big groups of people and go to you know, Tony Robbins or something and being be with a bunch of people that are trying to change their lives. And, and I feel like we're able to find community so much easier. And I know for me, sharing that stuff online has brought a new community into my life that I didn't know existed. And part of the reason why I wanted to share that we were talking about yesterday is because I wasn't finding it anywhere, whether that's an algorithm thing or I don't know, but I wasn't seeing anybody grieving. And I know that just this year alone in BC, over 900 families have lost a loved one to addiction. And that's just drug overdoses, not including alcoholism or anything like that. So, um, yeah, so there's there's people walking around that are going through this right now. And, and I just didn't know what to expect and I didn't see it anywhere. So I really, you know, I appreciate that it's being received well because it is hard to know what what's too much like. Is that going to trigger somebody? Is it? Is it just, you know, I don't know. So many things going in my head. I mean, I'm an alcoholic. I overthink everything. So. No way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, know, I, totally I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> you no longer have a drinking or drugging problem. We have a thinking problem. Yeah. Yeah. Here, 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 here. When does Bye. that go away? <laughs> yeah. uh, hello. Doesn't. <laughs> I can't believe it's already been an hour. This has been I so know. much fun. I know. I, I'm so happy you joined us here. And for anyone watching on Facebook right now, I see Sammy H said, hey, Julia. Oh, know. my gosh. Hi, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> and Ruth gave us a big thumbs up. But um, if you're watching on Facebook, watching the replay or listening on iTunes, let us know what you do to have fun in recovery and, you know, how you're getting through this whole pandemic sober and just um, any anything you want to send us, tips, tricks, all that kind of stuff. If anything moved you today, we want to know about it. And uh, yeah, we're just so excited to be able to have this platform to share and to bring light to these amazing people in recovery that are seeking purpose, like Julia, who, yeah, yeah using comedy and, and to give like- out, give, out, give out some shout outs, you know, like uh, I think it's really important that the people that are stepping up and out, uh, there's so many, I know Sober Girls Guy, we just love, we, that was one of the first ones we connected with. We just love you, Jessica. Um, you know, just give them a shout out, give encouragement because it is not easy stepping up and stepping out and uh, nothing's greater than getting a, a compliment. If we as the recovery community can rise up and help and support people, um, I think that's really important for us to all, all do. And we just really appreciate Julia and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I, I really love your sense of humor. It's, it's really uplifting. It's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. Um, this was really, really fun. And um, now I'm going to go overthink everything that I said, <laughs> but I had a really great time. <laughs>
that's so awesome thank you so much for listening this will be live on apple podcast tomorrow as well as spotify and podbean so go take a listen and we also are asking for reviews if anybody just like loves what we're doing wants to support the recovery community something amazing you can do for us is just leave a review on apple podcast so this is gonna hit more ears and one other thing we forgot to let you guys know if you are looking if you are in a place that you're looking for support and kind of checking out what what exactly can I do to get connected everybody's talking about these supports and these groups um, come over and check out uh, seek purpose and tomorrow night we will be having a meeting uh, Wednesday to night. Check oh, what is it today it's oh, Monday Wednesday night we'll be having a support meeting at 7 o'clock p.m. PST and if you join our recovery group at Seek Purpose in Recovery all the information is there. Um, We'll also be promoting it on all of the social medias and the reason why this was created um, because there's a lot of support meetings out there and we don't want to take away from that like hit your 12-step meetings 100% for sure but we wanted to have a meeting that we could advertise and that's against um, traditions of some of the other kind of supports so Yeah, so we created this so that you can share it on Facebook, you can promote it, you can do whatever you want. We just want people to know that recovery is possible, that it's out there, and that we can do this together. So hopefully you can come check that out. And yeah, thank you so much for coming to hang out, Julia. Thank you. We love resources. (laughs) Awesome. Accessible resources. Thanks. All right. See you later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We are thrilled to have you as a part of this community and we are really trying to grow and reach more people. So there's a lot of ways you can get involved. Um, One is going to our website. There's some really great resources there. Yes. And the most exciting part is checking out those GIFs or what do you call them? Gifts. I call them gifts. You call them GIFs, whatever, tomato, tomato. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're actually enjoying your sober life, and you're going and you're posting on your Instagram, please just go to Seek Purpose and check them all out and tag us. I wanna see what you guys are doing out there in sober life. Yeah, we also have filters actually we've been putting out as well. There's so much you can do um, through social media with Seek Purpose, like like, comment, share, all of our posts, really get involved with this community. There's so much help out there for you and so much connection here we've been finding. Yeah, and you know, the one thing that we have learned in recovery is asking for help. So we're gonna ask for help and just become a patron Mm -hmm. and come help be a part of this community and help it grow. And uh, we'd love to have you. If you wanna become a patron, we have a link on our website that you can click. And there's some really cool perks of becoming a patron with Seek Purpose. So we hope you check that out. And obviously, if you review this podcast on whatever podcasting app you're listening to, it's going to help us reach more ears and get that message out of recovery. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. We have so much more in store. And uh, as our, our little community grows, our collective, there's exciting things that are happening that are coming out uh, that we can't wait for you to be involved with. So stay tuned and uh, stay connected.